Hey there, folks. Can diplomatic efforts with China effectively combat the fentanyl crisis? I'm Aaron Young. Today we'll find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. And it is so great to be with you wherever you're joining us from. Also on Ticker Today, is the working from home dream coming to an end? What's the future of the office looking like in 2024? Karen Gately joins us shortly. Plus, a sign of the times, high-end retailer Burberry says they're seeing a big change in luxury spending. But first... We begin with major news today that embattled Optus CEO Kelly Abeya-Rosmarin is appearing before a Senate inquiry in Australia into the telco's nationwide outage that left more than 10 million Australians cut off from phone and internet services. The inquiry aims to scrutinise Optus's business practices and its impact on Australian consumers. The Senate will question the CEO of Optus on its communication with customers and the compensation that it has so far offered. It comes as Optus's Singaporean government control parent company, Singtel, said late on Thursday that it was not to blame for the meltdown. We'll keep you up to date. Let's kick off Ticker Hot Shots now with Veronica Dudo in New York for us live. Great to see you, Veronica. Now, significant move towards addressing the global fentanyl crisis. President Joe Biden taking steps to strengthen diplomatic ties with China removing sanctions imposed on the China National Narcotics Control, or the CNNCC, if you will. Uh, the sanctions were initially imposed due to the concern over its involvement in the production and distribution of fentanyl. Let's begin by hearing what President Biden had to say after that meeting with President Xi. More people in the United States between the ages of 18 and 49 die from fentanyl than from guns, car accidents, or any other cause, period. So today, with this new understanding, we're taking action to significantly reduce the flow of precursor chemicals and pill presses from China to the Western Hemisphere. It's going to save lives, and I appreciate President Xi's commitment on this issue. All right, so stopping pill presses there. Veronica, what do you make of all this? So this is interesting because, uh, as we heard, the Biden administration removed those sanctions on the Chinese Institute. And then in return, China says they are going to try to look into chemical companies that make precursors to the fentanyl. So they're going to try to figure out this issue. Uh, it will be interesting to see. Uh, you know, one does wonder a little bit in terms of some of this foreign policy. Would it have better been better to say that the sanctions are lifted for a period of time and and after which if you know the fentanyl is still pouring over the border you know killing tens of thousands of Americans each year then maybe the sanctions go into place so that will be really interesting to see because as uh, President Biden said uh, the numbers the statistics are astronomical here in the United States. Yeah, it's incredible because we know that these sanctions have been put in place and we heard from uh, one of the leaders in China saying that it was just absolutely crazy that there have been sanctions put in place from the company that is meant to be trying to stop it. Obviously, the Americans did not believe it, did not agree, but fentanyl as well as uh, dealing with the environment were some of the bright spots in that meeting, that relationship between President Xi and also President Biden in San Francisco. What do you make of how it all ended? Do you think that it is a step in the right direction. Obviously, there have been some comments about dictatorship and some also very frank comments from President Xi about Taiwan as well. Very frank. Uh, we heard that uh, President Joe Biden had said to allow them to have free and fair elections. And, uh, you know, again, some of the reporting that we're hearing during this sideline four hour meeting was that President Xi had said, you know, peace is great. 
but you know we need to come to some understanding so they are not backing down you know they discussed taiwan we know that china has been building up its military its navy they, they continue to mm. be involved in contested seas yeah. you know, we do know that both countries talked about ai there was no you know official determination just to talk about uh, it wouldn't be good if the militaries used it. So that's kind of all that we heard on that. The U.S. also pushed China to try to talk to Iran with what's happening in the Middle East. They yeah. said they have already done so, and they claim they will continue to do so. So, you know, and also the fentanyl. So, I mean, we're seeing these very real and serious topics uh, definitely being discussed. You know, the lines of communications are back open. Everybody remembers the the spy balloon and everything else that had happened and the months-long stalemate that they went through that mm. they were talking. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Um, let's talk about airlines. Our second story, they're ramping up their winter schedules in America. The same thing is happening in the Southern Hemisphere in Australia as well. Um, try to accommodate the surge in passenger demand for your winter and our summer as it's coming up just around the corner as well. Uh, as the real rebound continues in the aviation industry, we've got travellers preparing for the upcoming holiday season as well and airlines saying that they're adding more flights and destinations. I guess the issue is, do we believe them? The traveling experience over the past few years has been absolutely dreadful. Not entirely the airline's fault. They were closed down in many cases and had to spring open, dealing with staffing issues and sickness. Uh, also, quickly trying to start up an airline after shutting it down seems to be harder to do to start up than to shut down, uh, as well as dealing with Boeing and Airbus and getting replacement parts too. But it has been a real problem the past few years. It'll be interesting to see whether this holiday season they finally got their act together. What do you reckon? It will be interesting to see. We know that our TSA, the Transportation Authority, has announced that they expect this to be the busiest period ever, uh, even besting back on June 30th, where we saw some 2.8 million travelers in just one day alone. So they're saying that this is going to be the busiest. They say that they're ready from a transportation security standpoint. So as you said, can the airlines deliver? Uh, you know, if there's discussion and projections and they really do feel that people want to travel, mm. you know, in these next couple of weeks and months, and, you know, they're kind of putting where the, their money where their mouths are, then maybe they will be ready. All right. We'll leave it there. Veronica Dudo, host of In America Today right here on Ticker. Thanks so much for your time. Talk to you soon. Well, even the rich are cutting the costs as high-end retailer Burberry admits it will struggle to meet its annual revenue forecast. A British brand is blaming a global slowdown in luxury spending. Investors weren't happy with what they heard from Burberry on Thursday. Shares fell by as much as a tenth for the fashion brand. It followed an update where the British firm said it was hit by a global slowdown in luxury spending. Burberry also warned it would struggle to meet its annual revenue forecast of low double-digit growth if the slump continued. The firm reported a sharp slowdown in comparable store sales growth in its second quarter to 1%. That was down from 18% in the first quarter as growth in China fell off sharply. The Americas also worsened in the quarter with comparable store sales there down a tenth. Luxury has been out of fashion for shoppers hit by rising inflation and economic uncertainty. And it's not just Burberry finding the market tough. Rival LVMH, owner of brands like Louis Vuitton and Dior, reported a slowdown in quarterly sales in October, as did other major brands. But there were some positive noises coming from Burberry. 
it said early indicators of demand for its Winter 23 collection were encouraging. The way we work is undergoing a significant transformation as remote work takes centre stage in today's professional landscape. With advances in technology and the global pandemic's influence, remote work no longer an option just for the privileged few, but a widespread reality for businesses around the world. For more, we're joined by Karen Gately from Corporate Dojo and also a longtime ticket contributor. Great to see you as always, Karen. Um, talk to us about how remote work has impacted productivity for businesses. Well, it's actually an interesting one, Aaron. You know, there's been a lot of research that's actually shown that um, for some roles and some industries, obviously, remote working has actually improved productivity. Um, but obviously, there are plenty of CEOs and business leaders out there that are still not convinced and, you know, are, are really keen to see people come back into the office. I think the main reason that um, individuals may argue their productivity has actually gone up is because they're spending less time on the road or on trains getting into the office. And certainly the, the people that I talk to, you know, argue that they're actually at their desk sooner, they're at their desk longer, um, they've got less distractions in the office. And as a consequence, I think many people do believe it's actually improved productivity. Well, look, I, I do agree, but I have to tell you about an app called Jiggler, which means that it will make your mouse move so you can play Xbox <laughs> and quite a few of my friends. <laughs> over beers are telling me that this is what they're doing working from home. It all started yeah. great. They're getting a bit bored. They've worked out the efficiency and now they've got Jiggle, this little app that moves the mouse cursor like that so that yeah. if um, there's any software that can detect what they're up to, this is what's going on. It's fantastic. Yeah. And that is probably, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way, right? And workers will always yeah. find a way. Human nature, right? Yeah. I mean, my, my response to that would be that the real issue there is engagement. You know, I, I am a believer that we need a blended working model. I think people just working in isolation and remotely is suboptimal. Again, some industries don't have a choice. You know, people have staff sitting around the world and, and they can't come into an office space. But if we can spend some time actually connecting with each other in the office and balance that with work from home, um, I, I think that's going to be better. I think ultimately, if somebody is finding technology to pretend that they're working, <laughs> then they're really not into their job. Yeah. And there's a, a bigger issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think the common theme there, you are right, is that it's usually the thing they discover about three months before they resign. Um, Gina yeah. Reinhart is Australia's richest woman. There's an article here uh, in the Daily Mail. I'll try and bring that up if it will stay up. Um, Gina Reinhart, one of Australia's richest people, spending over $240 million buying this office block in Brisbane. That's it on the left there. Uh, some rather unflattering shots of her there. Um, the, the headline is Gina calls time on working from home. The idea that for a CEO to be buying, encouraged to buy an office block must be a sign of the times. What do you make of that? I think it's going to come down to a battle of the wheels. I think yeah. there are a lot of CEOs and employers who are saying, no, it's time to come back in. I just think it's going to come down to how firm um, top talent hold their position because I think still uh, the overwhelming majority of people that I talk to want to balance and they will, I think, prefer employers, both going for jobs and staying with employers who are willing to offer at least a degree of flexibility. So I think for the employers who are just going to say, no, nope, it's full time in the office, they may well find themselves struggling to um, retain and, and hire the right talent. But it's just going to depend, you know, if enough employees give yeah, into yeah. that pressure. 
then the balance will tip and we'll, we'll see people going back into the office. All right, Karen, always appreciate your thoughts, your ideas. Of course, if we want to hear from you, get in touch from you, what's the best way for people to do so? Yeah, sure. People can reach out to us either on LinkedIn, as always, Karen Gately, or our website is corporatedojo.com. Okay. We always love your thought leadership on this topic. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. More Ticker News right after this. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes. 